Hey y'all, uh, this is Joe Langworthy and Thomas Wolfel again for Tailgate Talk, a six-column sports podcast. This is uh, our second episode, episode two. Um, we had a pretty good reception to the first episode, or at least... Resounding, you know, resounding our, reception. Our, our yes. wives and parents told us it was good. Your wife said it was good. Mine had some mixed reviews. Okay, <laughs> she, she's newer into the into the marriage. I'm teasing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna just keep on trucking along, and um, I do think a few things have happened since Monday in the Mizzou sports world that give us a few things to talk about. Um, most, I think, the biggest thing that's happened so far um, since then is that. Um, our predictions about Isaiah Mosley not being on the team um, have come to fruition. And the the rumors and the uh, things rumblings I was hearing from the program um, here around town uh, came true. And um, Mosley has decided to pursue professional basketball opportunities. Obviously, I don't think he's going to get much of a look at the NBA, at least not initially. So probably outside the country. but you know, maybe G League. I don't know how that works, but um, thoughts on on Mosley leaving? Yeah, like you said, it's not much of a surprise. I know that, like you said, there were rumblings that um, maybe he was, uh, you know, causing some challenges and he had some items he had to do to get back in, uh, get, I guess, get in the good graces of the team, so to speak. And I can't say it's really much of a surprise. I mean, um you know, I think he would have been good to have on the team from a scoring perspective. But uh, from a second-year coach, a young coach, you got to have your locker room um, 100% behind the team. So uh, I think it's probably something that needed to happen. And, um, you know, maybe Mosley, it's just time for him to turn the page and um, have a chance to go out and really, you know, earn some money playing basketball, whether that's got to probably be overseas. I don't think he'll probably get a shot at the G League. But um, I think it's yeah. probably best for both parties. and. Um, it seems to me like Coach Gates handled the situation fairly well and that um, Mosley was obviously cordial in leaving, so there doesn't seem to be any hard feelings. So I think it probably the uh, departure went about as well as anybody could have hoped for. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think several people on Twitter have said, and I think this makes a lot of sense, that he didn't have another transfer. He couldn't transfer. Um, he'd already used that mm -hmm. coming from Missouri State to Mizzou. Uh, right, he had to sit missed, out. He'd missed the deadline for declaring for the NBA draft. Not like he would have got much play there anyways. Um, but, you know, him announcing this at this point tells me that it's probably Gates's decision. It probably was not Mosley's decision. That's um, probably true. There were, there were things that he had to do to, you know, show commitment he had to show up to you know i guess there's not really school going on right now well it started this week but i i very well, much doubt he missed study hall you know this well, week and, yeah but i'm sure that, that i'm sure their preseason workouts started so if you show up mm -hmm. late to that on you know in the first week that's probably something that would be on the list you know right right and so he he did not meet his expectations and coach gates said all right it's time to to move on and you know i'm i'm sure that 
it's it's one of those things where I think in a lot of people's minds, it's a surprise to Isaiah. And I'm sure it wasn't a surprise to him. Him and him and Dennis Gates were talking every day mm-hmm. and he yeah. knew what he needed to get done. And he knew that he wasn't getting it done. And so I'm sure it was cordial and I'm sure that there is no, you know, right. There is no fracture of that relationship. And I would expect that he is a, a tiger, so to speak, you know, he's, he's always going to be a, a Mizzou tiger, whether or not he really contributed a whole lot last year. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. what you like to see when, when yeah, guys, I mean, yeah. And it just tells you too, that obviously coach has a, good grip on his relationships in the locker room and it mm-hmm. sounds like he sets a standard and if the players don't reach that standard it, I'm sure they understand what the kind of the consequences are of that so um, yeah and yeah, you know you said probably you said that everybody yeah exactly and you said that we're going to miss his scoring and so that's a great transition to Caleb Brown is sticking around um, you know his <laughs> point two points a game or whatever he has <laughs> for us you know just scored in bunches. So um, I think, well, what I think he does we're is, fine. is he really, he plays great defense in practice. So whenever he, whoever he guards, you know, when they, right. they play against like a Kentucky, oh, that's like, they're playing against bums. And then, right. you know, that's, right. that's why exactly. Kobe scored so much. It's because he had to go. play defense against his brother every day. Right. And I mean, I, I do think that, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit here in a second too. Um, there are a ton of people on the team now. Um, but it's Caleb Brown provides the kind of depth that we've never had. We've just never had that. And he is a, he is a practice squad guy. He'll get some time. You know, he, he has some talent. It's not like he's a, not a division one basketball player. He might not be a power five basketball player, but he's a division one basketball player. And mm-hmm. you'd much rather your guys go against a guy like him in practice. Right. You know, you, you were saying that facetiously about his defense, but yeah, he's, he's getting them better prepared than they would if they were yep. playing against Jackson Reed Francois. Like, yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, to, I mean, I think we're, are they up to 17 players now? Something like that. Now, obviously then um, I think they only get 15 scholarships, but um, I think they only get 13 scholarships. But there are, I think, oh, that's right, 13. Yeah, women are 15. 13 women is 15. And I think it's 18 because yep. we got Nick Honor, one, Sean East, two, Aiden Shaw, three, Noah Carter, four, Major Mabak, five, Caleb Brown, six, Jackson Reed Francois, seven. Those are the returners that I have. Um, mm-hmm. So there's seven returners. And then you got Tamar Bates, John Tanjay, uh, Jesus. Carolero, um, Caleb Grill, Kurt Lewis, Connor Vanover, Trent Pierce, Anthony Robinson, Jordan Butler, Danny Stevens, and JV Brown. So that's eleven new people. And and granted, Danny Stevens and JV Brown are both walk-ons coming on as walk-ons. Oh, yeah. Um Jackson Reed Francois obviously is a walk-on, but you know, his mom's the AD, so he's not he's not paying anything. Um right. Major Mavak, uh probably back to being a walk-on. He was walk-on at Cleveland State. Um, yeah. And I think he just got thrown a scholarship because it was there. Good chance Caleb Brown is a walk-on. Um, and so that's five there, and then you have 13 scholarships. So, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, I think got to look at it from a, you know, through the lens, too, like you had mentioned, as far as practice goes, you got 13 scholarships, you got 18 guys, but really you need 10 that can really play and push each other every day in practice. Mm-hmm. And – um, 
you know, if Caleb Brown is one of those players or if he's number 11 or 12 on the list and you've got even your 11th and 12th dude on a um, SEC basketball team or solid division one players, then I think that's going to help the overall roster. And I mean, at the end of the day, you play, it's a long season. You play a lot of games. Not every game is against a top-notch opponent. And so you need to be able to have guys to throw in there, um, especially towards the end of games to, to get rest for your, some of your better players. And right. um, the deeper you are, the better. So you can never be, you can never be too deep, especially in college basketball, just um, because of the way the season works and, um, yeah. you know, how you roll through uh roll through a roster sometimes when you get to the, um, you know, January and February months. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, you know, I, it's easy to say this because we've just never had 18 players, but I've never seen a team of 18 players that, I mean, <laughs> obviously Jackson Reed Francois, I'm not even going to count him. So 17 players, but even these two new walk-ons have some talent. I mean, I think JV Brown averaged like 30 something points a game in high school. He's like a three point sniper. Yeah. Yep. You know, he's probably yeah. not athletic. Just... I don't know. He, but so, um, but there's just talent throughout the, the roster to a level that I haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, and the, and the thing you got to no remember too, you got talent, but no, but the thing you got to remember too, is you got 18 guys. You can go into practice and coach can say, all right, uh, the five of you are going to rebound basketballs and that's going to be your role this year. And as long as they understand that going to the season, you're going to be fine. But you, I'd much rather have 18 and then try to find 10 that can play. Then right. I, I know the opposite end of the spectrum, Kentucky university, Kentucky right now has eight scholarship players. They are literally playing uh, scrimmages against their managers. So that's mm-hmm. the other, uh, that's the other side of the spectrum. So if you pull take a, the, you take pull a look. the women's basketball tactic of <laughs> I, getting dudes from the rec center to come practice against you. That's basically what they're doing. Cause they don't have enough guys to even scrimmage. So I'd much rather have 18 and then sit five of them out and then, and find your 10 that can play versus having uh, being right. the other I mean, the spectrum there being begging for players to show up. So I think they're in guys, you're going to be yep. able to find 10. I mean, better yep. chances of having 10 that can actually play. Right. And I'd be more nervous too, if you had a coach that didn't seem to have good relationships with the players. But I do think that as we've mentioned, coach Gates, if he's upfront and honest with these, with the kids before they show up on campus as to what their role is going to be, then you're not going to probably have any issues come the season. Cause uh, like you said, uh, Desiree's kid is going to be happy to be on the bench wherever they go. And mm-hmm. as long mm-hmm. as he knows that's his role, then you're not going to be in bad shape. So um, I don't think there will be any issues with the size of the roster. I think as long as he um, can get, you know, enough players out of there, then you'll be in good shape. And um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it might, it might, you might see more transfers at the end of the year after the season's over. Um, right. But also depending at the same on time, this, I think this kind of transitions into another thing I want to talk about um, because there's other news on basketball that, you know, some rumors um that we want to talk about but a lot of these transfers that he brought in are one-year guys yep that's true so you know connor vanover is gonna not not gonna be here more than a year caleb grill's not gonna be here more than a year i'm pretty sure this jesus uh carolero is only gonna be here a year uh nick honor's on his last year isn't he nick honor um sean east might have another year noah carter's on his last year i'm pretty sure yeah um so you know 
And I think that's that's by design too. I mean, he's I think he had a really solid recruiting class this year with three kids, and I, Aiden Shaw is going to be helpful. And if you add another three or four kids for next season, uh, then you're starting right. to get to the point where you don't have to bring in ten uh, transfers every mm-hmm. single year. So I think they and should it, be in good shape. And it sounds like that that process might be starting this weekend. So the rumor on Twitter and and going around, uh, John Ball. Uh, one of the you know, Ball family, um, like Manute Ball, not Lavar Ball, B O L, B O L, Bowl, probably is how you actually say it. Yeah, Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. But it it just sounds weird to say it that way. Uh, but it, that's probably right. Um, he is committing on Saturday. He has released a top eight, um, which includes Mizzou twice, uh, and. <laughs> It also includes overtime elite, which is a pro league. <laughs> so he might be committing to a pro league, but the rumor is that we're in very good shape, and there there is might be some expectation that he's coming to 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 Mizzou, and he's a top thirty recruit. Um, yeah. So you know that would be elevating the level of recruit, and I'm high on I'm high on uh, Trent Pierce and Jordan Butler and Anthony Robinson, but they're not top thirty guys. No, but John. John Bull is a seven three, uh, athletic can shoot. Doesn't there's there's no real hole in his game other than he looks like every other bull and is you know probably weighs one hundred and ten pounds soaking wet. <laughs> yeah, but he's somebody that you know if you're able to if you're able to grab him, that's a really good start to a recruiting class, and he's somebody who can mm-hmm. show up and probably start putting in minutes right away. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean. If you take a look typically at the recruiting classes, there's there's typically you've got the top 20 to 30 kids that are kind of at a different level than the next group of guys that tend to take a year or two to really mm-hmm. get ready. So um, that would be a huge gift for uh, Coach Gates. And I think, too, you know, a lot of times at that age, they're all at the same AAU tournaments. They're all, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they all are – a lot of them are friends and they hang out outside of basketball and they start recruiting each other. So if he's somebody you yeah. can get on board early – then yeah. then you're going to be looking in, uh, to start pulling pulling more uh, pulling more prospects in that can really play. So um, mm-hmm. it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, obviously, yeah. it's not make or break, but if you know that would be a great start to uh, get the, the year because I yeah, and I know a lot of a lot of teams don't have you know recruits committed yet, so that would get right. us on the board early and um, and get the kind of get the ball rolling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You um, said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, I, I'm just thinking about seven three, John Bull, playing with second year, seven foot tall Jordan Butler, six eleven Trent Pierce, and third year, six eleven six ten Aiden Shaw. Yeah. All Anything of them athletic. To- all of them can shoot. Yeah, and that right there is the key. That right there is the key. In modern basketball, you you can't roll the twin towers out there if if you don't have one or two. If you know one or both of them can't jump out to the three point line and knock down shots, but the tall guys that um, we're getting at least are are very athletic um, Mm -hmm. and should be able to develop a little bit of a perimeter game to open things up. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, the rumors are right. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess we'll find out, huh? And I wish I wish we had another year of Nick Honor so we could possibly see a lineup of four seven footers and five seven Nick Honor. 
It'd be amazing. Just <laughs> look like look like that picture of Aaron Judge standing next to Jose Altuve on second base. Yep. Um, see that? <laughs> yep. But he like goes up to his waist. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what it would look like out there. Um, but yeah. So talk about basketball recruiting. You want to talk about some football recruiting? You want to talk about basketball schedule first? I guess we could do that. Yep. That is what we have on the on the outline, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> So you we do it. know a little bit of the we do know a little bit of the schedule um, so far based on other teams releasing their schedules. I think uh, the first game that we know is Memphis here on November tenth, which is going to be the Friday before the Tennessee home football game. So another mm-hmm. another one of those really fun basketball Friday night football Saturday yeah weekends in Columbia um although the last one that I remember uh did not go well uh it, when Michael Porter yeah. Jr that that and that was Tennessee football too um but I think that'll be I think that'll be a lot of fun um I think there'll there'll be some hype built up around that um I don't know if we're going to have a game before that but Memphis doesn't, so I, it might be that first weekend. I don't know if there's going to be a chance for us to play a blood donor before. Obviously, yeah. we'll have a we'll have a um, exhibition game, um, you know, against Missouri Southern or some team like that. Mm-hmm. But um, that might be game one. Yep. So you got Memphis, like you said. We also know, obviously, Illinois and. Uh, Kansas are both neutral site games this year, so you've got both of those down on the schedule. No, and KU's then, at KU's in Lawrence this year. I think it's neutral. It's, are you sure? I thought it was in Lawrence this year and then neutral next year. Well, it was in Lawrence the year before this this past year. You know what? Well, on this show, I don't know. It's I important don't know. to remember. It's important <laughs> to remember on this show that facts don't matter. Facts so, don't matter. True. <laughs> so facts are not important. We could clarify this on the next one, but we know you're, they're playing. We, they're playing really KU. Yeah. They're playing KU somewhere. west of Columbia. Yeah, west Kansas somewhere, City or in Lawrence. Somewhere in hell. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, right. <laughs> we're playing KU in Illinois, and then obviously you get the ACC this year instead of the Big 12. Um, so now I do think Memphis is a, an important game just because last year – we played nothing but blood donors before you got into uh, KU and Illinois. Those are really the only two non-conference games. Well, we had Wichita State, but that was the only. Eh, yeah, but Memphis is a different level than Wichita State. Memphis, so Memphis is. I guess my question, do you think is, my question is, do you think that them adding that Memphis game shows, shows maybe a little bit more confidence in the roster this year versus last year? Or do you think um, – it's something that they just felt like they had to do and they wanted to do before a football game to get, get the fans excited. Uh, So I think it's a little bit of, a little bit of the more confidence Um, and maybe not even more confidence, but just a not confidence in the team itself necessarily, but confidence in the system that he's already had, he has in place. I mean, I don't think he had any idea how those – when he was making the schedule when he got hired in Mm -hmm. May of last year, I don't think he had any idea what his roster was going to look like at all. I don't think he had any any idea the makeup of the guys, um, if there was going to be anybody there with him that bought in already. Um, And I think now he has six guys 
that were already seven guys, if you include uh, athletic director's son, that were on the team last year and can help build that that culture. And so I think he has some confidence in that. I also do think that the thing that can't be overlooked here is that we bought out Memphis's uh, oh, home football that's game. True. Oh. So had we you're had connecting to, the dots on that, we had, had to have been a, a give. Yeah, and I mean it's a home game first, so it's not exactly a you know we 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 still win. You know, we still get a good game, and and like you, like you said, we can build that hype around it being a football weekend. But I think it is probably a. Uh, you think it's a home and home, or you think it's a two? Yeah, it's 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 a home and home. It's I mean I think that, uh, we're, I mean we're going to Memphis next year, so we got to have some good guys next year because going to Memphis is not going to be easy. I think your audio cut out there, Thomas. Well, that's not good, but uh, I was just <laughs> saying I, <laughs> at Memphis they are they've had talent. They've not always been able to put mm-hmm. it together, but they've. Uh, over the last few years, they've been able to put together pretty talented teams. So, mm-hmm, I, but I do mm-hmm. think you're right. I didn't even connect the dots there. I bet that the I'm sure the Memphis home and home in basketball was part of the uh, deal to move that football game to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, I think that the schedule. I don't know if it'll fill out better than it filled out last year, um, in mm-hmm. terms of, in terms of strength of schedule you know i don't know if we're going to be going and playing we're not going to go play duke we're not going to play no um, i mean unless we get no. matched up with them in the acc but they're going to get matched up with kentucky so um you know we'll Probably. end up playing clemson or you know maybe wake forest or a team like that and but that, i mean that'll be a good matchup and then yeah, but there, and there's other ways. There's other ways to get the difficulty up too. I mean, you got to remember last year they started off with like SIUE, Lindenwood. Um, those are some teams. Well, that, they had uh, three of their first four games were against teams that were starting their programs that year. Right, right. Or so they can make the schedule that year. So yeah, they can make they can make the schedule more difficult without throwing name Making brand teams in there. But yeah, yeah, but I do think I do think that those those four games, Illinois, Kansas, Memphis, and the ACC opponent will probably be your four big ones, and then um, you might see a, a slight uptick instead of playing uh, Lindenwood. Maybe you play, um, you know, an Ohio Valley team that has actually had a winning season before. I don't know for sure, but. Oh, um, I imagine we'll play Lindenwood. We'll still play Lindenwood. <laughs> we could. Like, we, we will. Um, but but we won't play from North Carolina that we played, um, you know, We'll throw Lindenwood a bone just because they're here in the state. Um, but yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be better. Um, they'll put a better slate for season ticket holders out there. Yeah, I agree with you. So, guess we'll see. That's all the positive talk with men's basketball. I think that everything's looking <laughs> up, but we do have to talk about uh, football recruiting. Mm-hmm. I, I know you I know you're pretty down. How on are you this. feeling? How are you feeling about it? I'm trying not to like I don't I'm not down on it. I'm not I mean I'm not or anything. You know, we have two two commits, I think, at this point. Um and had had one or had one or two that were committed and decommitted and went other places. Um but overall I'm not too worried. It's 
2024 recruiting, so these kids aren't going to be on campus for another whole another year. Um, and I think so. We still have time. You know, they they can't even sign until November. I think there are right. some big fish that we're after. I think this, you know, Ryan Wingo out of St. Louis um, is obviously would be a big fish, and um, James Madison, another wide receiver. Um, I think he's visiting this weekend. He's he's a big fish um, and great name too. And so I think there's there's a lot of targets still out there. I also think that football recruiting is a little different now with the transfer portal and even NIL kind of thrown in there. Um, right. I think that drinks drink might be feeling pressure and a coach in a pressure year is going to have some different strategies. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's probably not focused on recruiting as much as he should. Um, and that's probably short-sighted. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying that I, I have no inside information on that. He um, is probably also looking at it like he needs to see where this team has holes, you know, after this season or play a few games and see where the holes are and see what you need to plug and what you think you're going to be able to plug with, you know, a one-year guy from the transfer portal or do you, is it not as much of a hole and you can build it with high school recruits? You know, I think that's the calculation that some of these SEC coaches are, are making right now. And because uh, uh, you know, a guy that goes and plays at a Sunbelt school and does really, really well for two years is valuable or more valuable than a five-star recruit at this point in the transfer portal. Like, you know, if he if he has 130 tackles as a linebacker in the Sunbelt, people are going to look at him. You know, Alabama's looking at guys like that. And so – you know, maybe it is just a, a difference in philosophy. He's he's kind of changing his we're only gonna take high school guys that we know are surefire guys early and then fill in later. Yeah, I just take a look at that and I get very nervous when you take a look mm-hmm. even now now you gotta remember too. I think he's got two three star recruits and the stars are a little bit misleading. I mean Gary Pinkle mm-hmm won a lot of games on on dudes that weren't even three star three star recruits coming out of high school. So that's right. Um so that's not necessarily the end all be all, but I mean you gotta take a look. I think we have fewer recruits than anybody else in the SEC. Um mm-hmm. I think maybe us and Vanderbilt are the only two schools in the SEC without a four star commit already at this point. And so well, yeah, we I mean, had we had one. He just left. Well <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of a problem. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a kind of a yeah. hollow hollow win there. Yeah, but we know how the I mean, you know how the recruiting game works and they're hearing from other coaches too. So I'm sure that uh you know the the message being told to kids is you know, don't commit to Mizzou. You don't even know if that coach is gonna be there next year. And so I think that um, you know, he's gotta try to he's probably trying to build relationships, obviously wants to get as many kids committed as possible. Um but, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there are a lot of kids holding out saying, hey, I'm not going to commit until I'm confident in what I'm seeing. And 
if he can get off to a hot start and win the first, you know, four football games, then that might change the tide a little mm-hmm. bit and how kids, rec- you know, see his program. I just think that, um, you know, it's easy for fans to say, oh, well, how come you're not getting getting dudes? But, I mean, there are coaches in the SEC. Every one of them is getting paid $4 million plus at this point. They're not bums. They know how to, you know, talk to kids and, and if not commit to your program, get, keep them from committing to a different program. Right. And so I think that that's probably part of it too. Is um, you've got you've got eight, seventeen, eighteen year olds who are sitting there saying, hearing from some coaches saying, "Well, that coach is going to get fired," and whether or not that's the case probably doesn't even matter. But at some point in time, I think it's got to start showing on the field for for him to continue to recruit like he did in the first couple of years, because um, at least from a you know from a uh, the the recruiting rankings standpoint his first two years were very very good and mm-hmm. um, obviously we've seen that fall off a little bit and I think a lot of that just comes down to him needing to uh, show on the field that he's going to win football games so um, I, I definitely am a little bit nervous about it just in terms of his uh, you know because uh, the other thing too is you don't even if he makes it through the season and he gets one more year, you don't want him to have to bank fully on the transfer portal just to keep his job the following year because then you end up in a never-ending mm. cycle of yeah, a coach a vicious that cycle can't actually build anything, mm-hmm. and it really it becomes even more challenging with every year. So hopefully he can get it figured out, and you know it might be very similar to um, basketball. We said if you know if. Um, the bowl kid commits, maybe he'll drag more kids with him for the basketball team. Well, if, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if drink can get um, some of these top prospects from St. Louis to commit early or even commit in the next yeah uh, couple of months, then uh, that's a, that's a pretty tight knit community there in St. Louis between all the coaches and the players. So mm-hmm. um, that could be something that could snowball too. So, right. Obviously you don't want to, you're not going to slam him until you see the final product, but I definitely think it's something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't smash the panic button yet, but anytime you're getting out recruited by Vanderbilt, uh, it, you're uh, it's it's worth looking at and um, right. wondering what in the world's going on. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think as bad as it looks at the moment, you know, I'm again, I'm not panicking until we get September, October. Um, because again, if a kid commits now, you got to hold him. That's another thing, you know, drinks, recruiting kids that are committed other places. I guarantee it. Oh I mean, I yeah. We have people yeah. Well, that's how he got, that recruited that's how he got Luther Burden. We right. recruited Luther Burden now from underneath Oklahoma. So that helps. So that does right. happen. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and I think they have a big visit weekend coming up this weekend. I think another one the next weekend camp season, all of that, I think, mm-hmm. plays into it. And so, yeah, if we're in August, September, October, and we're still, you know, got three three-stars and a two-star committed, yeah, maybe I'm starting yeah. to think this is something wrong. But I don't think that's where we'll be. Yeah. And that's a good point, too, because I know a lot of the summer camps happen um, in June and July. Obviously, it's the summer. But a lot of the times you'll have uh, rising seniors, guys who are going to be seniors show up to those those camps um and i mean from a 17 to 18 year old you see a lot of physical development so um you'll have kids show up maybe that don't have offers from powerified schools that'll get one when they come maybe they commit or maybe it's somebody who's considering mizzou and they show up and really like what they see and make that commitment then so 
like you said, I think you get through get through the summer and get through those different camps and the recruiting weekends. And if we're still sitting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dead last in the SEC and the total number of commitments, and um, then I think you're you're probably Joe Langworthy might even be nervous at that point <laughs> in time for uh, right for recruiting. Right, right. So I think we uh, we're kind of running out of time on the uh, you know we're yeah, using I, free, I got... we're using free Zoom, so we have limited time, but. Um, we did have a question from a oh, let's hear it from a listener. Um, and if you if after you hear the question, you'll realize he wasn't listening last last time. So okay, let's um, hear. You know, we got we got to speak to the listeners. Let's hear. This is a question from my friend Seth Newbold. He said, on a scale of Mizzou basketball versus Princeton cold to Luther Burden's chips hot. How hot will Drink's seat be if he doesn't win seven or more games next year? And I believe we kind of talked about this last time. So, um, Seth, you're kind of you're kind of outed for not listening to the first one. But <laughs> if 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 he loses, if he yeah, if he wins six games or fewer, his seat is either going to be really hot, or depending on how poorly it goes, he won't be sitting in it. I think. Um, I know the new contract was just signed, but a lot of times they do that. And if the guaranteed dollars don't change that much, it really doesn't mean that it doesn't make that big a difference. But that's just my thought. I think it's not, he's got to start showing improvements in the record. And I think seven wins is almost a must this year. What do you think? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, if if he gets off to a hot start and then collapses, that's not great. Um if he comes out of the gate slow, that's not great. Um, I think that, like you said, six wins is probably not enough. Um, but it also depends on there, – there are other factors. I'm not going to say definitively six wins isn't enough. If every single offensive lineman gets hurt. Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, and then also the things that, you know, fans don't see and I don't think fans think about is – if Desiree is talking behind the scenes to agents and there's not a whole lot of interest she can drum up with somebody better. Yep. And fire him just to fire, just to hire a scrub, you know? Yeah. And I think too, it's it's important to remember um, you look at coaches around the SEC, the big 10, the guys that sometimes it takes them three or four years to really get, get things figured out. And I think when you take a look at drink, the one thing he does have going for him is, every year he's had so far his team has improved uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit from the beginning of the year to the end so hopefully with the schedule being a little bit soft early uh he can work out the kinks and if he's got a strong team by the end of it he might he might be ready to roll into a eight or nine yeah. win season or definitely seven wins so he does have this he does have the the build of the schedule going for him which uh to be honest he probably didn't have much to do because with because they scheduled those things so far in advance but um uh, yeah it does set up well for him. I think he's got a good yep. shot, but if he doesn't win seven games, his seat will be really warm. I agree. Um, okay, so we have 90 seconds. You want to give a quick uh, Thursday crazy story? Okay, well, did you know that Missouri is apparently host of the Midwest uh, Venom show? They get all the most venomous snakes, snakes in the world, and they show them in, oh, in Missouri. No. Okay, well, someone, I don't someone live stole – so, oh, someone gosh. stole someone stole an Egyptian cobra, which is apparently worth two hundred and fifty dollars on the street. So my question to you is, 
to go steal a cobra. $250? $250. That's not that much. No. How much would you have to get paid to go steal how much would I have to get paid? Uh, stealing an Egyptian cobra life. that's very venomous. That would kill you in 90 seconds. Before we got off this call. Real, I mean, I want to say millions, but that's probably not true. If somebody said, go take this snake for $100,000, I'd probably do it. I'd wear, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd buy a full body suit. <laughs> you look like a medieval uh, military man. All right. Guy. Yeah. But all right. So that's that's all we got for today. Uh, thanks for listening. If you did, we'll see you guys next week.